Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter, and me, Courtney Fogel. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, today we are at Black Truck Media and Marketing, and I have a guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes. Hi, Welcome. Uh, so I'm Jason Dodge. I'm the founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. We are local here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, our focus is search engine optimization, search engine marketing. Okay. So our, our claim very much is we don't build websites, we make them better for search mm-hmm. and users. How long have you been doing this? Uh, founded the company in 2009, so this is our 10th year. Okay. And then I've been in the industry for over 17 years now. Okay. So, yeah. Have you always been SEO-based or...? Yeah, primarily that's always been our focus. You know, okay. we kind of, I like to say we stay in our lane and just kind of stay pretty razor-focused on that. I think there's a lot that, that changes. Um, you can change rapidly multiple times a year that we always try and stay on top of what's going on mm-hmm. and current trends and things yeah. like that. So, so that kind of ties into what we're talking about today. Perfect. Um, current trends in SEO. But first of all, before we get started, could you just explain SEO, kind of detail, what is it? Yeah. So SEO, the acronym is search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing to understand, there's a difference between that and, and say, SEM. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, we could argue that that SEM, the SEO would fall under SEM. Search engine marketing is, is the technical definition is anything related to, you know, improving one's position right. in search engines or generating traffic that way. But most marketers know SEM as the uh, the ad side of it, pay-per-click advertising. The SEO side is very much organic. So the non-paid, when you do a Google search, um, typically your first results there, you know, between three and four are going to be paid uh, listings, if you will. Everything below that is organic. Does that okay. help? Yeah, sure. Cool. I just wanted to give a little overview oh, yeah, for it's anyone that didn't know what SEO is. Kind of following up on that, do you think currently that pay-per-click or organic is more popular for actually getting that conversion and that click? Oh, I think I think that it's 50-50. I mean, we're very much um, we're very much believers in that you should be doing all the things. So mm-hmm. even though even though we we sit in the search marketing space, we can't be completely naive to think that traditional media um, may or may not work depending on the audience. You know, you certainly can see brand lift and, and interaction. Um, they have to be uh, an individual has to know about your brand mm-hmm. first and foremost. So you have to understand. I hate to use the analogy of funnels, but really, if you look at top of the funnel versus bottom of the funnel, where they're generating mm-hmm. um, the most action, um, it really depends on the commercial intent of what it is the person's looking for. Um, you have to remember that a user doesn't care that that click costs you money if you're advertising in that space, if it's providing them with the answer that they want. Mm-hmm. So we're programmed to go to Google to ask questions, seek answers for our problems, even if they're medical. And and if that top ad position happens to be one that fulfills our request, we're going to click on it because it's it's human nature, mm-hmm. you know? So... Um, I, I can't give you a straight answer as to one's winning over the other, but SEO is certainly not dead and mm-hmm. pay-per-click certainly not dead. I mean, that, you know, here, uh, there was just a report that came out on 2018 
we finally have digital ad spend has surpassed traditional media spend. And a big proponent of that is what is going on with Google and Facebook and right. et cetera. Yeah. So what are the current trends in SEO? Um, the big ones that, that we've seen, so we get the opportunity to go to multiple conferences a year and just really network with our peers and, and learn amongst everybody. And things that have kind of come up in the past year and then just even currently in the past month from, from some discussions I've had center around, a lot of it is, let's just chalk it up to usability and performance. So those are big, those are big key areas. Um, as, as Google pushes for uh, better results or improved results, they're pushing for a better experience for their users. Mm -hmm. Building trust in the Google platform you know, to use their products they need to be able to provide a better experience. So they're starting to penalize is a is a is maybe a little bit of a harsh word, but mm. um, they're starting to look at sites that have slow page load speeds. Um, they're they're blocking or they're render blocking. We call it based on different browsers, mobile devices. They're not secure. That mm. type of thing. Those are those are really key to what's what's going on right now. So we have this performance side. And then we also have the content side. So we have this mashup of probably need to involve some developer skills. And then the other side is is, is pure communications and marketing mm -hmm. on the content side. Mm -hmm. um, and the content side is, uh, for a long time, SEOs and digital marketers could create you know pages about anything and have what is known as thin content. You know, you could have a product page with a little description rank and move along. Now we're, we're working in the space of creating more authoritative content. Mm -hmm. And, and what that means is you have to think of it as, are we answering all the questions about this subject matter? So it's less about just keywords and links. It's more about, uh, themes. Mm -hmm. So thematic search, entity search, um, talking about a subject matter at a high level and then going in depth. Um, call it long form copy sometimes in some cases and that's where you need to be able to work with the designer and stuff to to kind of understand how that's going to going to look the best on a page and not be overwhelming to a user because mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a good way and a bad way to do that I think so yeah, yeah. so this kind of ties in I was reading an, a blog post on your website and you mentioned the EAT acronym yeah that kind of ties into that. Can you explain that? Yeah. You? Yep. Yep. So, the the fact that um, so EAT is is a concept that's been thrown around out there. It goes back to the Google updated their quality rater guidelines mm -hmm. last summer. So um, it has everything to do with authoritative and transparent content, if you will. Um, again, going back to trying to flesh out a lot of this thin content that had little to no value to it other than to maybe make a sale or to generate a lead. It's how we make it more informative and more actually helpful for the yeah. user. Yeah. And that's really what the what the key concept comes down to. So when you're kind of up against all these other sites, you're trying to be the most authentic for Google to kind of pick you up and put you out there? Yeah, exactly. If you use... Yeah, the example I like to use is, let's say, um, you know, if you're in the software industry or almost any service-based industry, especially, it can be B2B or B2C, but if you think of software mm -hmm. for a moment, a lot of searches revolve around how much does this cost, pricing, things like that. 
And you would be amazed at the, the companies, the brands that don't want to provide that information. They don't want to put that out there because, ooh, my competitor might see that. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is they're probably all starting at the same base price anyways. And so I look at it and say, well, if the bulk of the people are searching for how much this costs and I'm the one that puts that on my site, eventually what's going to happen is mine's going to, mine's going to come up to the top. Mine's going to rise to the top because the individual, the user is going to do a search. They're going to see your competitor's site that comes up. Maybe they outrank us, mm-hmm. but they're going to click on it and they're going to be disappointed because what they're looking for is that detailed information on what's it costs, what are the requirements, et cetera, et cetera. And right now we're on this, we're in this tipping point of where the web is still in uh, um, an underwhelming place, meaning um, it doesn't meet our expectations and Google knows it. So that's the big push with quality rater and EAT type of content stuff is how do we, how do we make it more informative? How do we make it a better experience? So if I can provide you with those answers, my content's probably going to win out mm-hmm. over time. Okay, that makes sense. When it comes to SEO, I've heard like bits and pieces of that there's this dark side. Oh yeah, sure. Black hat, black yeah. hat SEO. Can mm-hmm. you explain that a little bit? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so we're very much on the other side of the fence or what would be, you know, white hat. I, we kind of dub ourselves as an honest search marketing firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're very transparent as what, what's being done and why for our clients. Um, the black hat side is is a lot of yeah shady tactics. A lot of times it comes down to link building and mm-hmm. and poor link building tactics. So it used to be years ago um, you could go out and just build a massive amount of links. It really didn't matter where they were coming from, and you could use the anchor text or the copy that you're linking from. That's like you know best SEO firms, Grand Rapids, and link into Black Truck Media, and all of a sudden if somebody did a search for Best SEO firms, Grand Rapids. Your brand starts to rise to the top. Uh, That was squashed a while ago, but there's still companies that do that. (laughs) There's still companies, whether they're offshore or whether they're stateside, that build uh, what we'll call garbage links, um, different methodologies to do that, um, content farming, that type of thing. Uh, scraping of content links. Do you think they just don't know what they're doing? No, they. I think. I think the majority of them know full advance of what they're gotcha. doing. So I would say that the that the firm or the agency or the individual knows 100% what they're doing or at least 90% of what they're doing. They're trying to cheat the system. Yeah, I mean there's, you know, even here in 2019 there's yeah, there's bad SEO out there for gotcha. sure because um and you have brands that buy into it because uh, what we do is so intangible. You know, if we were building websites it's still very easy. I can say, yeah, look at what we designed. Even though it's virtual on a computer, I can kind of hand it to you and say, this is yours now. Mm-hmm. Where when we're developing SEO strategies, it's very intangible. Um, so there's a lot of trust. It's a lot of relational driven. You can't just jump in and say, yeah, we're going to guarantee XYZ traffic increases and improvements and things like that because we don't control the algorithms, yeah. right? Like, no, nobody knows that. There's mm-hmm. claims out there that people do, but... That's not true. And um, and I would say that the quality of, of work and output is correlated to probably what some of those services are costing too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, if you're paying an SEO practitioner a couple hundred dollars a month, 
and they're making all of these claims. It's very much like if it looks bad, smells bad, it's probably bad. Yeah. You know? Um, that gets us a little worried. So. Mm-hmm. And we combat it, I don't want to say every day, but we certainly combat it every month, those types of discussions. And right. Stuff. Yeah. When you say you're working with a national company versus a local or regional company, mm-hmm. what do you change in your strategy with SEO to get the reach in like the area that you're trying to get? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know... Our, I think to kind of formulate that, are there differences in in an approach for a national or global brand versus a local entity? And the answer is yes, certainly, certainly there is. Now, if we have a brand that has locations, physical brick and mortar locations, we might look at that with a local lens as well. We might say, well, you have 14 locations throughout the upper Midwest. Mm -hmm. How do we create lived in organic search for each one of those locations. So while you're this large brand, you have these brick and mortar stores that service key areas. We could almost argue at that point that every search has some local intents to it, um, mostly because you have your phone on you all the time and over 60% of those searches are done on your phone. Mm-hmm. There's a local intent around that anyways. I'm looking for, I want to buy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so even if you are a national player or that's your your market, yeah, you need to be cognizant of what's going on at the local level too. Sure. Um, but for national brands, especially those in say like a B2B space uh, or um, hyper-competitive B2C spaces, um, it's, it's trying to dig into those niche areas, those verticals, mm-hmm. um, you know, odds are those those customers are very informed already. They're very intelligent. How do you tap into that? Yeah. How do you get in front of them at that point? Um, so hopefully that kind of yeah, helps, that makes sense. Helps breaks it down a little bit. Do the bigger companies like I don't know, like Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, since they're kind of competitors and they're up there above everyone else, mm-hmm. do they do they use SEO differently? Do you think? Yeah, I think that I think that a lot of those brands certainly do. Um, you know, there's also a lot of brands that kind of rely on their on their brand name, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they're a little bit pompous with that, and that like we're Under Armour. Mm-hmm. I don't need SEO. Everybody knows who we are. Um, but then we can argue the fact that there's value in the concept of SEO as brand. Mm-hmm. So I may not need to own. Um, you know, office table, for instance, you know, or office furniture. Let if I'm a manufacturer, let every let every online retailer targeting small businesses go after that. Let IKEA own that. But what I might want to do is make sure that my brand plus that is associated with that and we're ranking and that we at least have a, a seat at that. At that level, yeah, um, where you see even more competition and interesting things going on is with some of the large uh, online retailers, like your uh, Home Depots of the world and things like that. Um, that's probably even more competitive than like what Nike and Under mm-hmm. Armour have going on. Okay, okay. Let's go back to the trends in SEO. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips that you have for somebody trying to learn more about SEO and kind of 
not sure where to start with where it is currently. Yeah, yeah. So I really like um, what the team at Moz has created. They just went through and re reworked a lot of their like beginner's guide to SEO. It's mm-hmm. super friendly. It's kind of intuitive and fun to walk through. Uh, Brittany Muller at Moz did a really fantastic job of kind of redoing something that was created years ago. So it's it's very current. It's very mm-hmm. up to date, and you can kind of start from the top and get super deep in the weeds. And then there's other resources that link off from there. So that's kind of the, the I would say the first go to, um, to check out, uh, just because Moz makes it super palatable. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to go deep in the weeds and Uber geek on it. Like we might. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a helpful place. Okay. Do you have any, like anything you want to add just about SEO in general or about any? Anything that's happening in Yeah, I think I think um, kind of a couple things to, to close on that subject is making sure that your teams are not in a silo. Okay. Right? So whether it's whether it's PR communications, the marketing and sales teams, just making sure that they're not siloed off and that those conversations happen on a regular basis. Um, you know, if you have a team that's running Paid search campaigns are your organic search teams talking together because there's a lot that can be learned from one another. There's a lot of data that can be pulled over from the paid search side, shared with the organic search team. Mm -hmm. That information can also be flipped to the content marketing team. And like everybody needs to be at that table collaborating. Um, And so the, the more you can break those silos down, as cliche as that sounds, typically the better outcome and the result is, you know, so really, um, going at that level and then the other side of it too is keeping in mind that it's not so much about just the keywords per se it's it's about the individuals who are behind the keyboard doing the search so it's you it's me it's it's us um who are looking for those things and being a little bit more empathetic to that and trying to get to the why scenario so Kind of the who and the what for most brands should be fairly straightforward for them to figure out, and and I would hope is a is a straightforward thing for search marketers to figure out. But developing that why statement, if you will, and really getting to the core of that mm-hmm. is good because if if you have content or if you have a page that is ranking well, maybe it's not converting well, right? So you start to go deeper. We start to become a little bit more of a psychologist of the mm-hmm. web then. <laughs> Um, to, to try and figure that out. It's it's less about just driving organic traffic and it's more about quality traffic, uh, lead generation or sales awareness, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you work with PR and advertising agencies often to kind of help develop that if it's not there? Yeah, we'll we'll get pulled in. Um, I think we, we have the, the fortune of, certainly in this region, of being, I think, known for what we do and I'm very honored by that, but... Um, where we will get pulled in uh, when it comes to that technical level. Yeah. Um, you know, or a firm is going through a website redesign and um, we're brought in on the ground floor when it comes to restructuring and what the architecture looks like, what the content frameworks need to be. Um, and then at the code level, um, there's things that we like to see from a search perspective right. to help feed, feed the machine, if you will. Right. Um, and then PR communications, absolutely our biggest value that we're bringing there is is having um, having a better understanding of, of what is being searched for and why. Mm-hmm. And how do we mash that up into uh, content that's actually valuable? So instead of just creating content and press releases just to create that and create buzz, 
um, actually having intent and purpose and, and driving forward with a reason uh, to, to develop that content to begin with. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a favorite tactic or technique that you use or a favorite thing to do with SEO? You know, the I think probably... It, is it my favorite? Is it not? I don't know. I mean, I'm a. I think I'm a sponge. Anyways, like I love. Um, I love learning about. Um, you know, I love learning about our clients and, and the brands we get to work with, and and I think that that's a pretty safe thing to say about everyone at Black Truck. Everybody is just we're, we're passionate about digging into it. And I think that's what you have to have. You have to have a passion and provide yourself with the ability to learn about whatever it is that you're. Um, you're involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's, it could be the most boring thing in the world. It could be a, uh, what could be perceived as a dying industry, typewriters. Um, dive in. There's probably some niche and, and you know, mm-hmm. that you can go down and start to research and read and understand how you can get that company to perform better. So that's kind of step one in that process is take the time to dive in yeah. and, and really absorb it. The other side too is, I think that one of the best tools that you have is free and it's Google. It's a Google search. Mm-hmm. You know, really pay attention to how things display when you're doing searches and the queries that you make and, and just watch how the screen changes. Watch what comes up when you throw a city or state on there. Uh, watch what comes up when you say, you know, buy our price. Um, scroll down a little bit and see other related searches and mm-hmm. things like that. You start to, if you are a logical thinker, you can actually piece together what's going on there, I, I think, uh, fairly easily mm-hmm. um, and would be a step ahead of most yeah. uh, in the way that they think. I, when I, one of my first classes that was in like the communications PR type of field, we, the whole class typed in the same thing and then we shared our results and everybody was just kind of mind blown that we all had different results and everybody right. was different and then it was then like the different ads that were coming into our social medias just because of like the things that we had been clicking totally. on and it's i mean it is kind of fascinating yeah you 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 really do see uh this hyper personalization of certainly ads mm-hmm. as well as search results um, so as as we can also argue that a lot of searches uh, have some level of local intent, they also have some degree of personalization there too, mm-hmm. especially if you're a logged in user, you're on your phone and Chrome is your browser. Um, I mean, you're, you're, yeah, you're being tracked. Uh, the, the funny or sad part about that is, is that most consumers don't care. In fact, we all would, we all welcome mm-hmm. ads as long as they are personalized to us you know if they're not personalized to us right yeah 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 it just feeds into the filter bubbles that we all live in yeah so um but i i I don't think that that's anything new necessarily Mm -hmm. um it's it those are all things that i believe traditional marketing channels have been trying to do for years uh and without the data they can't do it as effectively as say uh those of us in the digital marketing mm-hmm. world, whether that's PR, whether it's search, mm-hmm. advertising. Definitely. So, yeah. Do you think, say somebody's going into PR, do they need to learn how to do SEO? Yeah, I, I think at least at a, at a surface level, you need to have some semblance and understanding of certainly what it is, the mm-hmm. importance of it, because you're, you're, you're going to continue to see that channel grow. Um, you know, 2017, Google... 
surpassed social as the biggest referring source and that hadn't happened since like 2013 mm-hmm. so you know you're going to read you're going to continue to read blog posts out there that SEO is dead and it doesn't matter or that it costs very little you know you can do it for free but you have to have the chops to understand like how do I even do some basic research so mm-hmm. familiarize yourself with um, keywords and themes uh, familiarize yourself with the industry and understand how the audience mm-hmm. um, is looking for information and how sure. they talk because that alone in an SEO world is is huge because right. as you're working on those communication pieces, <laughs> you're communicating to all those audiences. Mm-hmm. And if you, maybe you misinterpret the way that they might say something, then you're not going to reach them anyway. Yeah, correct. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct to, to sit here and, you know, if you, in the future, you sit down with, whether you're on the agency side and you're sitting down with a client or you're working in-house with a brand, and let's say it's a it's a technical subject and they say, Yeah, well well we serve engineers and they're looking for all these technical pieces of information and this is how they talk. That's just one segment. You have to have the wherewithal to say that's search tells me that that's one segment of of an audience. That may or may not be the decision maker. The the decision maker might be a C level exec that doesn't know the deep in the weeds jargon because he has a team that he trusts. He or she has a team that they trust. There's, there's probably a couple other layers in there. And so your strategy needs to be able to talk to all of those people at the right time. And the content needs to be laid out that way too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's super important to have some base level knowledge of it. I wouldn't expect any college grad to come out, you know, firing and, and having like, Oh my gosh, I'm an SEO pro. I, I don't expect that, but I think mm-hmm. having some knowledge there is is huge. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. Yeah. So to wrap this up, what are the future trends looking like in SEO? Ah, way to put me on the spot. <laughs> um, <laughs> biggest, I would say, is you're going to see the continued growth of machine learning. Um, you know, Google knows it. Most people know that humans don't scale really well and so the amount of data that somebody like google processes every day um is massive i think there's something like 16 percent of searches are brand new to them every single day which is which is a staggering number Mm -hmm. when you consider what they process so it's not humanly possible to have an individual review everything so they have to have machines there that can be taught and learned um, that poses some challenges to you know what we're doing with quality content and certainly ads and things like that because mm-hmm. things get flagged right now that maybe shouldn't. The other side of it too is um, a lot of automation that's probably going to come out with machine learning. Um, and and then data feeds. I think customer data is going to be huge. Um, we're going to start to see whether or not. Um, how closely we're going to be able to track users, you know, I think in the future, that's a big point of contention right now in terms of how, how little or how, how much Mm -hmm. we can actually track people online. What about voice? So I think, uh, it's not really worth the, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you're not going to squeeze much juice out of it. You know what I mean? So, um, voice search was, and, and just voice in general mm-hmm. is 
is and has been this this huge buzzword for the past I'm going to call it year and a half. Um, but the reality is is that the majority of your interaction via voice is in an app or native on your phone. Mm-hmm. It's not related to search. It's related to hey, you know, okay, Google call such and such uh, or directions to right or something like that or what's the weather. A lot of those are app driven. There are very few case studies out there that show uh, voice search driving commerce. You know, when you want to buy something, you still want to see it. You want to understand the reviews. You kind of want to gather what's going on mm-hmm. there. Um, the I think the the topic is natural language is probably what we should be talking a little bit more about because these devices are going to continue to grow. Personal devices, home assistants, yeah. smart technology, and connected devices. So natural language and, and the progression of natural language is is a little bit more important when we do that. And really what it comes down to is writing for a human being. How how you speak or how your audience wants to read it naturally is much better than again gaming the system and mm-hmm. stuffing a bunch of keywords in there and yeah. You know, it ne- you need to you need to be able to actually put a sentence together. Mm-hmm. So well, thank you. Cool. Yeah, no. Great this opportunity. And yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. Mm-hmm. We appreciate cool. it too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA and check out our show notes at GVPRSSA.com.